0: This is Tani Talks Radio, the shiir where we talk about a topic for the week for the audience members to keep. Talking about optimism this week, especially with this uh current situation and our current time of the year and current aspects of our life. Of course, this week is Yom HaShoah, one of the saddest days of the year where we talk about the lives lost in the Shoah, in the Holocaust. We should only know from good things. Hashem Yom Kom Damam. And we should only know from good things in general. The year is dedicated to and Yisrael mayor ben Yochan, and also my baby niece who was here with us just for five days, Tikva Bas Eliezer David. We should only know from good things. We should only know from terrific things and wonderful things for the whole Jewish people as a whole. As we are now in the sphere period, as we are now in the period of the year where we lead up to the idea of we're talking about Rabbi Yochanan's, we're talking about the students, excuse me, of Rabbi Akiva. We talk about how we could go about, how we could think about being in a better aspect, being in a better flow and a better way of going about things. And we wanted to, we want to think about how we could be involved in our life and how we could be involved in looking towards the positive and looking towards the aspect of life where we are fully capable of seeing and thinking about what. Things are around us in a better way. When we think about how we go about things and we think about how we a- approach things, if we use optimism, it could be a really good thing to do. So, what is the idea of optimism or positivity? How would you define such a term? We know that we could look at the glass half full. We could look at the glass half empty. It's all defining how we look at a different aspect, how we look at a different thing. How would you define such a term and such an attitude? The dictionary defines positivity as the practice of being or tendency to be positive or optimistic in attitude. The dictionary further defines optimism as hopefulness and confidence about the future or the successful outcome of something. These terms then really are types of life outlooks and ways to go about your existence on this earth. When we think about different characters in history, especially Jewish history and throughout Tanakh, we find this element to be prevalent. So many people had so much stacked up against them, and yet they stood up, they stayed positive, they tackled whatever came their way. I think about the greatness and the great aspect and the great teacher, that of Rabbi Akiva, who led a very difficult life starting with learning Torah at age 40, through difficulties and a tragic, tragic death, and yet he seemed to be the essential optimist. David Melch also had great difficulties and tragedies, yet if you look at Tehillim, you could easily see his positivity, his hope, and his faith in Hashem. Think about the idea of the wonderful aspect of the person that is the Klosenberger Rabbi, a very close friend of my wife's great-grandfather's family wikipedia even explains the remarkable story of this person rabbi yukuziel yehuda halberstam from january 10th 1905 when he was born to june 18th 1994 was an Orthodox rabbi and the founding rabbi of the Sanz Klosenberger Hasidic dynasty. Halberstam became one of the youngest rabbis in Europe leading thousands of followers in the town of Klosenberg, Romania before World War II. His wife, 11 children and most of his followers were murdered by the Nazis while he was incarcerated in several concentration camps. After the war he moved to the United States and later to Israel, rebuilt Jewish communal life in the displaced persons camps of Western Europe, reestablished his dynasty of the United States and Israel, founded A Haredi neighborhood in Israel and a Sans community in the United States, established a hospital in Israel run according to Jewish law, and rebuilt his own family with a second marriage and the birth of seven more children. This story and character is remarkable in general, especially to me. What power and self perseverance and optimism to live through what he did and get up and accomplish all that he did. As we think about Yom HaShoah this week, it's apropos, more than apropos. To think about such a character, to think about such an example of a person, and to think about such a role model, what perseverance, what optimism, would anyone ever have blamed if he wanted to just lie down and give up? Would anyone have faulted him for wanting to? OU.org points out the famous example of the idea that the pessimist looks at the half-filled glass and bemoans that it is half-empty. Oh, poor me, there is only half a glass. It is very nearly empty. The optimist looks at the very same glass and rejoices that it is half-full. Chabad also points out that this trait was found within Lubavitcher Rebbe. The Rebbe was an uncompromising optimist, not because he wasn't a realist or because he was uninformed about all the difficulties of the Jewish people and humankind. The Rebbe was actually one of the best-informed people on earth because he had more than 1,000 shlichem couples who were situated literally around the world. He knew from them all the problems and all the issues. He was a realist, but he approached reality from the perspective of optimism. He insisted on using language to express positive thinking and optimism rather than negative. Negativism. For example, he never used the traditional Hebrew word for hospital, Beit Cholim, which literally means a house of sick people. He insisted on calling it a Beit Refuah, a house of healing. Why? Because he wanted the people who were in that hospital to know that they were there to gain greater health and not because they were desperately ill. He wanted to focus their minds on the solution rather than on the problem. When he visited with handicapped soldiers who had been wounded in the wars of Israel... He refused to call them Nechet Sahal, handicapped. He used the word Metsuyanim. exceptional. He told them that if a person has been deprived of a limb or a faculty, this itself indicates that God has also given him special powers to overcome the limitations and to surpass in other areas the achievements of ordinary people. You are not disabled or handicapped, but special and unique as you possess potential that the rest of us do not. When there was a lot of pressure for him to finish a project, he never referred to the finishing time as a deadline. He didn't like that word instead he used the word due date deadline connotes death while due date connotes birth which is a great idea to think about in theory a great idea to think about in theory so that connotes the wrong thing while you change it around and it connotes a different thing in general the idea is that we are involved in this thing and we are looking at how the aspect is Involved in our lives. So we are involved in trying to figure out what to do. We're looking at how it is going about. Deadline connotes death while due date connotes birth. The Rebbe never dwelt on the Holocaust. When he occasionally spoke of it, his emphasis was not on the six million martyrs, but on how the survivors rebuilt their lives. How the survivors rebuilt their lives is how we look at different things. And we turn about the idea of turning the preoccupation with the catastrophe into celebration of achievement. He had the same optimism when it came to religion. When he met a person who said he wasn't religious, he would ask him or her to do a mitzvah, to start lighting candles before Shabbat, or to put on tefillin or put a mezuzah on his or her home. But he would go further. He would say, are you honest? Do you give charity? Do you pay your employees on time? These are religious acts too. Why do you focus on what you are not? God loves you for all you are, for the mitzvahs you do, and now why not add to those mitzvahs? How are these, how are there some people who are just so positive and optimistic? Where does such an outlook come from? How can we acquire such a type of worldview? I think the key is to look at famous characters and examples from the Talmud, from Tanakh, and from Jewish history and learn from their life and their views, specifically the great Rabbi Akiva and his Rabbi Nacha Personal note, we just had March last month. March is the hardest month of the year for me. Both the yard sites of my dad who passed and my brother who passed at different points in my life when I was nine for my brother, which is over 25 years ago. I'm 35 now and for my brother who passed when I was 20 over 15 years ago now but it's also the happiest month of the year because that's when I got married to my wonderful Zivik to my wife in that same month drastically opposite feelings it's all about the outlook and what we focus on especially nowadays crazy times especially in the sphere of time period and especially when we look at and when we see what is going about in our world and in our times and we think about what is around us I personally could have chose two directions two aspects two ways of how to go about things in my life and reactions to those things in my life you know losing my dad losing my brother it's easy to give up it's easy to say no i've had it it's easy to leave think about all those people who make great money great document not great but big group documentaries and big sitcoms and big shows out of their not orthodox life so they're not jewish specific jewish religious lifestyle those are not the ways to go about it. It's harder to stand strong. It's harder to stand positive. It's harder to stand optimistic. There were two roads diverge, two ways to go. There was a fork in the road at different points in my life, especially with two major, major losses. Also, personally, in my personal life, when there were some things that did not work out for my wife and kids early on when we were trying, it is not an easy thing to get up and go forward from. Darkness comes with you. Darkness stays with you. Darkness darkness is a part of you it doesn't ever really live you you ha- leave you it has to come with you you have to find a way to live with it and to stay with it on a certain aspect in a certain way it's not easy to get rid of those things we have to figure out how to go about these different things. So we could focus and look at positivity. We could focus and look at optimism. Then we could focus on Rabbi Keevan, his teacher, one of my favorite heroes from the Talmud. Of course, safari.org is a great place, a great place to find sources as I use this. Well, we could look at the life of Rabbi Keevan, his teacher, but also look at the outlook itself. Makos points out, Gemara Makos and Haftalat Ahmed Aleph once it happened Rabbi Gamliel Rabbi Elizabeth Nazari Rabbi Shun Rabbi Akiva were walking along the road a very famous story in the Roman Empire they heard the sound of the multitudes of Rome from Putioli at a distance of 120 mil the city was so large that they were able to hear its tumult from a great distance the other sages began weeping and Rabbi Akiva was laughing they said to him what reason are you laughing Rabbi Akiva said to them for what reason are you weeping all in the outlook all in how we respond to a stimulus how we look at a situation how we see what's around him they said to him these Gentiles who bow to false gods burn incense to idols dwell securely and tranquilly in this colossal city for us the house of the footstool of our God the temple is burnt by fire and shall we not weep Rabbi Kiva said to them, That is why I am laughing. If for those who violate his will, the wicked, it is so and they are rewarded for the few good deeds they perform. For those who perform his will, all the more so will they be rewarded. All the more so will they be related. Of course... There's another example. The Gemara relates another incident involving those sages. On another occasion, they were ascending to Yerushalayim after the destruction of the temple. When they arrived at Mount Scopus and they saw the site of the temple, they rent their garments in mourning, in keeping with the halachic practice. When they arrived at the temple mount, they saw a fox that emerged from the site of the Kodesh HaKadashim and they began weeping. Rabbi Kiva again was laughing. They said to him, For what reason are you laughing? Rabbi Kiva said to them, For what reason are you weeping? General outlook in his life was fantastic, really interesting outlook, how he went about his days, how he went about his life thinking about different things, being optimistic versus pessimistic, having the positivity versus the sadness. Rabbi Kiva said, What do you laugh? What do we think about? They said, This is the place according to which it was written, and a non priest who approaches shall die. It from Bamidbar, and now foxes walk in it, and we shouldn't weep. Rabbi Kiva said to them, that is why I am laughing, because it is written when Hashem revealed the future to the prophet Yeshaya, I will take to me faithful witnesses to attest Uriah the priest, Zechariah the son of Je- Jebuchiah, from Yeshaya Perak. What is the connection between Uriah and Zechariah? He clarifies the difficulty. Uriah prophesies during the first temple period. Zechariah prophesies during the second temple period as he was among those who returned to Zion from Babylonia. Rather, the verse, the passage established that the fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah is dependent on fulfillment of the prophecy of Uriah. In the prophecy of Uriah, it is said for your sake Zion shall be plowed as a field Jerusalem shall become rubble the temple mount as the high places of a forest from Micha where foxes are found there is a rabbinic tradition that this was prophesied by Uriah in the prophecy of Zechariah it is written there shall yet be elderly men and elderly women sitting in the streets of Jerusalem a beautiful prophecy from Zechariah until the prophecy of Uriah with regard to the destruction of the city was fulfilled I was afraid Rabbi Kiva says that the prophecy of Zechariah would not be fulfilled as the two prophecies are linked now that the prophecy of oria was fulfilled it is evident that the prophecy of zachari remains valid the gemar adds the sages said to him employing this formulation akiva nachman nachmenu akiva nachmanu whatever the verbiage is akiva you have comforted us akiva you have comforted us as well Even society can recognize the power of this thinking. Martin Seligman, who is the founder of positive psychology movement, explains that pessimists believe their flaws cannot be overcome, whereas optimists are convinced that they can be overcome. Rabbi Meir Salavechik points out Akiva is an essentially an Aramaic variant of Yaakov or Jacob. Like Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, the patriarch Yaakov, is depicted as having a remarkable capacity to persevere, mainly by working for his deceitful uncle Lovan for 14 years in order to earn the right to marry his beloved Rachel. Moreover, the names Yaakov and Akiva both derive from the word Akiv, or heel. As Rabbi Eliyahu Salavechik once pointed out, the heel is the lowest part Of the body, yet at the same time it is the first part of the body used to take a step forward. In other words, it is precisely one's initial downfall that can ultimately emerge as a key to progress. You know, we just had Pesach just a few not just a week or so ago. In the Haggadah, in Magid, Halach Ma'ani, we talk about the idea, Halach Ma'ani, Da Avhasana Be'arad Hasana Mitzrayim. Kodich ven Haba de Yisrael. Haba We sit around with our kids, and our spouses, sometimes other people are there as well. I literally was uh, really happy to have my wife and kids at the table, the first half, the first um uh, major part of the holiday we like to be home we like to have the kids and uh able to be home and then go up to bed so they all did their parts and whatnot we were singing together when we're singing and we're saying how we're in exile we're in gullus we're sitting here we're technically slaves to the society around us we're technically in exile in gullus we're talking right now about how we hope and we pray we keep optimistic feelings that we're going to be in Yerushalayim, we're going to be in Eretz Yisrael next year, and we're going to be free, free people next year. You have to keep that optimistic feeling. Keeping that feeling is a key element to having the optimistic outlook in life, having the positive outlook in life. You can have 40, 50, 60, 70 grand in debt, credit card debt. You can have 300 grand in student loans. You can have mortgage upon mortgage upon mortgage. One of my coworkers told me the only way she was able to marry off her kids is taking out three mortgages and sending them to private college, even though they wanted to go this college, that college, three mortgages. Can you imagine having such finances hanging over your head, but still finding a way to be optimistic and positive. And it's no coincidence that the highest level, I believe, of role model could be Rabbi Akiva. He started in dire poverty literally, dire poverty. He had a father-in-law, Kaaba Savua. Ra- Rachel saw Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, not a- Rabbi Akiva at the time, going in the fields, walking in the fields. She saw some spark of greatness in him. She saw some outlook, some unbelievable ability, uncanny ability that he could get so much done, so much accomplished. She said, this is the man I want to marry, Kaba Savua, one of the richest men in Yerushalayim. Or one of the provinces at the time said, I do not want you marrying him. If you marry him, I'm cutting you off. And she went and married him anyway, because when it comes to a few decisions in life, you do not have to have the the acceptance of your parents when it comes to marrying someone and making aliyah and a couple of other things so in this case she married Kiva, and they literally were poor as dirt the only thing they had was straw how do we know this because one time the gemara talks about i forget which tractate which which part of the gemara which which myself but anavi shows up at the door Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, again not Rabbi at the time, answers the door and he says, "How can I help you, sir?" This person dressed as a as a disheveled person, maybe an older man. Or, of course, we you know Eliyahu was very regal, with long flowing white hair and flowing white beard. Who knows what he looked like at that point? He says, "My wife has just given birth. We don't even have straw to put the baby on, the newborn baby on. Can you please help us? Can you spare some straw?" And Akiva, Rabbi Kiva says, ah, look at that, there are some people that don't even have straw, and I have the unbelievable ability to do chesed, to take care of this person. So we're not the lowest of the low, even though we're in dire poverty, there is a level below us. Not his words in the Gemara, obviously. And he gave them the straw. Rabbi Kiva also very movingly is depicted a, a beautiful romantic aspect of the Gemara Akiva is." plucking out the straw from his wife's hair. The Gemara talks about it and says, one day I will get you a tiara of gold of Yerushalayim. Fascinating. You know, fast forward many, many years. Lo and behold, Rabbi Kiva actually does do that. Of course, he goes off to learn and study. He sees the rock and he says, if the rock can be made an indentation by the water, which is so strong, the rock, then my heart, of course can be made an invitation by the, the Torah as well and you know he goes on and, and he learns apparently before and he had a disdain for Torah scholars and for Chachamim but he had a change of heart. He starts literally in nursery, literally in pre-K with Aleph Pet going all the way up to learning Mishnah and Gemara and being one of the greatest sages to ever live and he's a fascinating example of course dying al Qaeda Hashem. He ends up having these 12,000 pairs of students really 24,000 students who die this period of 33 days that we are in right now in 2023 the omer that we're counting up to lagba omer when it stopped and of course to Shavuz when we got the tour itself and he started all over again by the way after he lost all those students with the big five uh, Talmidim that he got with them and he had to teach Torah on the pain of death from the Romans he was thrown in jail he still taught Torah very very fascinating life by the way in general but we see a classic example of really seeing how to keep that and that the idea is to keep the optimistic feeling no matter how poor no matter how dire no matter what's over your head or what's in your house around your house what's in your life or what not and what to go about in your life because the passage tells us from Tehilim in Perakchof Kuf worship the Hashem in gladness come to His presence with shouts of joys the dignity of difference by Rabbi Sachs points out one of the most important distinctions to be learned in the course of reflection on Jewish history is the difference between optimism and hope optimism is the belief that things will get better hope is the belief that together we can make things better optimism is a passive virtue hope is an active one I hope To have tons of money one day, to be able to do tons more chesed and tons more mitzvahs and tons of tzedakah, I'm optimistic it could happen is passive. I hope it could happen is active. It takes no courage to be an optimist. It takes a great deal of courage to have hope. Knowing that we what we do of our past, knowing what we know of our past, no Jew can be an optimist, but Jews have never, despite a history of sometimes awful suffering and great, not in a good way, suffering, given up hope. You know, Tehillim talks to us in many different ways, In Tehillim Kuf Chavav. We look at the bitia of Shirmal, so we say every single Shabbos. We say on Yom Tov. We just said Pesach. Shirmal, Malas B'shuvah Hashem es Shiva Tzion Hayinu Kacholnim Azimares Sichog Finu Oshanei Nerina Az Yomre V'Goyim Higdal Hashem Lasso, Simel Higdal Hashem Laso Simanu Hayinu Simechem Shuvah Hashem Ashevisenum Kafikem Banei Giv B'Dim Barina Yekzoru Halochielu Chuvachano Semeshah Hazar B'Yoveh Barina this is a song of a sense when Hashem restores the fortunes of Zion not if when Hashem restores the fortunes of Zion we see it as in a dream our mouths will be filled with laughter our tongues will be filled with songs of joy they shall say among the nations the Lord has done great things for them Hashem will do great things for us and we shall rejoice Restore our fortunes, Hashem, like water courses in the Negev. They who sow in tears shall reap with songs of joy. Though he goes along weeping, carrying the seed bag, he shall come back with songs of joy, carrying his sheaves. It is a song of hope, not just optimism. Be cup half full, but also hope that it could be fully full. The Savior talks about that it's a commandment, root for the commandment, in twelve forty one. a person should know and put into his heart that everything that happens to him, good and bad, is coming from Hashem, blessed be He, from the man, the hand of a man to his brother, there would be not anything without the will of Hashem, blessed be He. When a person causes him pain or hurt him, he should know for himself that his own sins cause it, that Hashem, may he be blessed, ordain this for him. He should not place his thoughts to taking vengeance from the one who pained him, and since he is not the cause of his evil, but rather the sin is the cause. Like David said in Shmuel Bet, leave him to curse Shimi Ben-Gerah, is not nice to David at this point, since the Lord told him so, he made the matter depend on his own sin, not upon Shimi ben And there is also great benefit found in this commandment, quieting a dispute, removing enmity from the heart of people. When there is peace among people, God will make peace for them. The Rambam puts out on the Mornavuchim a fundamental law, principle taught by Moshe. Wrong cannot be ascribed to God in any way whatsoever. Evil and afflictions and all kind of happiness to man, whether they concern one person or community, are distributed according to justice. They're the result of strict justice that admits no wrong, whatever. Even when a person suffers pain in consequence of a thorn going into his hand, although it is once drawn out, it's a punishment come from Hashem. And the least pleasure he enjoys in a reward, it's meted out by strict justice. All his ways are judgment, all his ways are good, coming from what Hashem does. Brachos points out in 60b, we learn in a Mishnah, one is obligated to recite a blessing for the bad that befalls him, just as he recites a blessing for the good that befalls him. Just as he recites a blessing for that. The Gemara asks, what does it mean? One is obligated to recite a blessing for the bad, just as for the good. If we say this means that just as one recites a blessing for a positive event with the formula, who is good and does good, so to one recites a blessing for a calamity with the formula, who is good and does good, didn't we learn that over good tidings one recites who is good while on bad we say bless we should never know from such things especially death rather rather said the mission statement was only necessary to instruct us to accept bad tidings with the same joy with which he accept good not to instruct with regard which is blessing to recite also points out 6db Rav said the rabbi mayor said it was so taught on the Bryce in the name of rabbi akiva in the name of rabbi akiva one who must always accustom oneself to say of course who better to tell us than rabbi akiva himself Ko man david, Avid Latova. Everything Hashem does, he does for the best. Everything Hashem does, he does for the best. The Ben Yehoyada on Brachos 60b points out it means to accept happily. When you count the hidden part of the gematria, the word Simcha, you get 520, which is the same gematria as true judge, dying Emes, 520. Hence the idea one must bless the true judge happily. That's why the Talmud says in Elohim we praise, that's the trait of catastrophe. Elohim, the word Elohim has five letters, the Hebrew word Chamisha, five is an anagram for Simcha, happiness. Nachum Ish Gamzu is a very fascinating character also brought up in the Talmud. Of course, he was Rabbi Kiva's Rebbe for 22 years. He's called by this name, as Chabad points out, because he's always said the expression, this too is for the good, Gamzu Latova, Ish Gamzu, the man who says this is good. His student, Rabbi Kiva, would say, of course, Command of Rachman, Ovid Latova, Ovid Latova." He was called by the title Ish Gamzu because whenever anything unpleasant happened to him, he would say Gamzu Latova. The Gemara talks about the aspect of how Rabbi Kiva actually served Nacho Mishkamsu for 22 years. This comes from Chagiga 12a. He would expound and learn every appearance of the word s in the Torah, which would come from the phrase, and then he comes to the phrase, the heaven and the earth, Es shamayim, Es ha-aretz. What does he learn from that? That since it says that it means the actual heaven and earth, the actual earth, that's why s is there. Just a side point, but Rabbi Kiva learned from Nacho Mishkamsu from many years. And, We learned that Rabbi Kiva had it whispered, different things whispered to him from Gamzu from Nachom Ishkamzu, as pointed on Bruchos 22a as well. But what's the story of Nachum Ishkamzu, excuse me, from Tanis 21a? Briefly, they talk about that there was a story about a run-down building. They said by Nachem Ishkamzu he was blind in both eyes. We should never know from such things. Both his arms were amputated. We should never know from any of these things. Both his legs were amputated. We should never know. His entire body was covered in boils. He was lying in a house. The legs of his bed were placed in buckets of water so that ants should not climb onto him as he was unable to keep them off in any other manner. We should never know from any of these things. Once his students sought to remove his bed from his house and after remove his other vessels. He said to them, my sons, remove the vessels first and afterwards. Take away the bed as I can guarantee you. As long as they're in the house, the house will not fall. Indeed, they removed the vessels and afterwards the bed and then the house collapsed. Obviously, there's great merit. To his life, he was able to save the house while he was in it. Rabbi, since you're a holy, righteous man, the the students say to him, as we've seen, why has the suffering befallen you? He says, my sons, I brought it upon myself. He related to them one time he was traveling on the road to his father-in-law's house. He had with him a load distributed among three donkeys, one of food, one of drink, one of delicacies. A poor person came, stood before him in the road, saying, my rabbi, sustain me. I said to him, wait until I unload the donkey, after which I'll give you something to eat. However, I had not managed to unload the donkey before his cell cell left his body, the person literally collapsed and passed away. Now Hamish went and fell on his face, and he said, My eyes, which had no compassion on this person, be blind, and my hands, which had no compassion on the hands, be amputated, and the legs, which had no compassion on the legs, be amputated. My mind did not rest until I said, My whole body be covered in boils. He prayed that this suffering would atone for his failure. His student said to him, Even so, woe to us, we saw you in this state. He said, Woe to me if you had not seen me in this state, as this is atonement for me. Why did they call him Nachemishgamzu? The Gemara goes on to say, because with any matter that occurred to him, he would say, "This too is for the good." Gamzu Latova. Once the Jews wished to send a gift to Doron to the house of the emperor, they said, "Who should go and present this gift?" Gamzu should go. They said he's accustomed to miracles. They sent with him a chest of jewels and pearls. He went and spent the night in a certain inn. During the night, the residents of the inn rose and took all of his jewels and pearls from the from the chest. They filled it with earth. The next day when they saw, when he saw what happened, Nachemish Gamzer said, Gam He arrived at the ruler's palace. What's he going to do? He has no jewels. They opened the chest to so saw it's filled with earth. The king wished to put all the Jewish emissaries to death. He said to them, the Jews are mocking me comes. He says, this too is for the good. Eliyahu Hanavi comes and appears before the ruler as one of the ministers. Eliyahu, one of my favorite people, coming to save the day. He said to the ruler, perhaps this earth is from the earth of their forefather Avraham. When he threw earth, it turned into swords. And when he threw stubble, it turned into arrows. As is written in a prophecy, the sages interpret in reference to Avraham's sword makes him as the dust his bow as the driven stubble from yeshaya there was one province the Romans were unable to conquer they take some of this earth tested it by throwing it at their enemies and conquered the province when the rulers saw this earth indeed had miraculous powers his servants entered the treasury filled Gums with, chests, with precious jewels and pearls and sent him off with great honor of course, we know about Rabbi Akiva as well from Avos Nareno. Nelson points out in 6, up until 40, he had not studied a thing. When he was standing by the mouth of the well in Lida, he said, Who hollowed out the stone? And, they, and he was told to Akiva, Haven't you read the water wears away stone from Eov? It was filled, falling upon it constantly day after day. After that, Rabbi Akiva asked himself, Is my mind, is my heart harder than stone? I'll go and study. Rachel Travel points out and, and, and tells us Rabbi Kibble went and he studied. He was nothing before. He went to study for 40 years and he learned, and he was 40 years old. He studied for 40 years and he taught for 40 years. Adarm 58 talks about the story we talked about earlier. They were staying in the storehouse of straw. He would gather the strands of straw from her hair in Adarm 58. If I had the means, I'd give you the Jerusalem of gold. Eliyahu comes and appears to them as a regular person knocking on the door give me some straw my wife gave birth I don't have anything Rabbi Akiva said see this man doesn't even have straw we should be happy with our lot Yavoma 62B continues on and talks about the idea of Rabbi Akiva who talked about Torah learning in old age versus young age Rabbi Kiva had 12,000 pairs of students in an area that stretched from Gavata to Paris in Judea. They all died in one period of time right now. The period we're in right now in Sphera because they did not treat each other with respect. The world was desolate of Tor- until Rabbi Kiva came to our rabbis in the south and started with five rabbis. He had 24,000 and then started with five because it's not quantity. It's quality. He had Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehud, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Elizabeth and Shamua. These are the very ones who helped upheld the story of the Torah at that time. Although Rabbi Akiva's earlier students did not survive, his later ones transmitted the Torah to future generations. And of course, Prochah 6 TV talks about, or Rav Huna said, the Rav said, the Rabbi Meir said, Rabbi Akiva always said, one must accustom oneself to say everything that God does, He does for the best. Very famous story also about Rabbi Akiva that he was walking along the road and came to a certain city that he asked about lodging. They didn't give him any. He said, everything God does is for the best. He went and slept in a field or a forest. He had a rooster, a donkey, and a candle. A gust of wind came, took out the candle. A cat came and took out the rooster. A lion came and ate the donkey. He said, everything God does is for the best. That night, an army came, took the city into captivity. It turned out that Rabbi Akiva alone, who was not in the city and had no lit candle, no noisy rooster, or no donkey to give away his location was saved. He said to them, didn't I tell you? Everything that God does, he does for the best. And of course, Rabbi Kiva teaches us in Brachos 61b, love Hashem your God with all of your life, even to take your life. Once upon a time, the rabbis taught in Abrasah, Brachos 61b, the evil empire, Rome, decreed that the Jews could not deal with studying Torah. Papa, son of Yehuda, found Rabbi Kiva, who was gathering large groups in Torah, he said, Rabbi Kiva, are you not scared of the government? Rabbi Kiva says, we're learning and sitting Torah. Torah is your way of life and live a long time. If we veer away and stop learning Torah even more so, we're dead. It was only a few days they caught Rabbi Kiva. They put him in jail. They caught Rabbi Pappas, son of Yud, tied him up. They saw. They asked Pappas, who brought you here? He said, he said to him, raise with you Rabbi Kiva. You were caught on the matters of Torah. Wore to Pappas who was caught for silly matters. Of course, they took him out to be killed at the end of his life. When he's reading the Shema, they're brushing his flesh with metal combs, a disgusting, disastrous, very painful, very gruesome way to kill him because they wanted him to suffer. He was accepting upon himself the yoke of heaven. His students said to him, Our Rabbi, until so much, until here... He said, my entire life I felt bad about this Pasuk. behol nafshechah, with all your life from the Shema, even to take your own soul. I said, when will I have the time, the chance, the ability to fulfill these words? Now that I have that chance, would I not fulfill the verse? He extended the word echad, one, until his soul left his body. A heavenly voice came out and said, praiseworthy are you Rabbi Akiva that your soul your body left you at one. As we are in this period, as we are in this time of the sphere, we're in the days, we're counting the days. And this week had Yom HaShoah, when we lost so much, it behooves us to think how not only to be an optimist, how not only to learn from Rabbi Akiva, from Nacho Mishkamza, from Dovenant to Hillen, how we could go about in our own lives to have hope. To put hope into our future. Things might seem bleak. Things might seem difficult. Things might seem like we're not going to get out of the situation. We're not going to be able to get out of the situation. We're not able to to go about and bring ourselves to a better situation. But we learn from rabbi Kiva. We learn from Nachem Ishkams. We learn from those around us that we need to do what we can to be involved in a life of hope, to be involved in a life of not just optimism, which is passive, but a life of hope, which is active, a life where we're going about doing what we can, trying to view ourselves to a way that we could accomplish things, we could do things in this life, we could bring things in this life, even when things seem bleak, even when things seem difficult, even when the world shut down during Corona, the height of Corona for years, when everything was shut down, when everything was closed down, there were those people that had the hope, that had the optimism, that had the ability to go about and think about a brighter future, and when we all came out of it, and we came back to work, and came back to different situations, how did we go about, how do we look at things, how do we go about to think about things in our life, Rabbi Kiva had a difficult life, had a very difficult existence for periods of time, didn't come to Torah until 40 years old, lived in dire, abject poverty, although after he had all his students, he came back, you know, he went away for 12 years, and then he overheard his wife talking to someone else. He said if she, if he knew it was good for him, he'd go away for another 12 years, which is what he did, because uninterrupted Torah study is not equivalent to interrupted Torah study, the Gemara talks about. He comes back it's with 24,000 24, students. Kabbalah Savuah comes and sees that he's great and obviously wants to be absolved of the oath. Rabbi Kiva absolves him because he's so great and, you know, his wife runs to his feet and the students want to shoo her away and he says, everything I have and everything you have is only because of her. Great story of Rabbi Kiva, but he's really the optimist, the eternal optimist, the eternal one thinking about hope, thinking about how the prophecies of Ori and Zachariah are linked. Think about even how there are foxes running on the base of Migdash, even there, how there are people in aspects running about it, how they could go about things and how could they go and do things. We should all try in our lives to look at the cup half full, to look at things half full, and to have that optimism, to have that ability to not just have the passivity of optimism, but to have the activity of hope in our lives and in our days. This has been Tani Talks Radio, where we talk about a topic for the week for the audience members to keep joining us next time here on Tani Talks Radio, and I'm your host, Tani.